This is Norman John on BIM and Project Control, where we discuss all things building information modeling, project control, and emerging technologies in the construction industry. Well, Sala, welcome to the Norman John on BIM and Project Control podcast show. Before we jump into today's topic of digital twins, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Oh, oh, thank you, John. So my name is Salah Eckhart, and I work for Microsoft Real Estate and Security Organization. I'm a director of transformation services in our center of innovation, taking forward a new framework that is called the digital building lifecycle. And in addition to that, I'm the head of our worldwide construction community and also a co-chair for the Digital uh, Twin Consortium that Microsoft is one of the founding members of. So it is a pleasure to meet you all online uh, and have this discussion with John and Norm. Well, you're definitely the right person to have on this podcast for Digital Twins and construction because we are both in the construction industry and project controls. We typically uh, represent the owner side of things. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you, Salah. Um, well, we're here. We've been waiting this for a long time. Like when we, uh, when me, John, and I bet you know, um, person uh, who's on BIM too. I can't remember. Jess, Jesse, or oh, Jess? Jess? Yeah, Jesse Gallinger. Uh, we apologize, Jesse, for butchering your last name. <laughs> hey, this is going to be like a relaxed environment, Salah, so don't worry about that. Even though you're drinking wine, eating dinner, yeah, just just be relaxed. We're just going to have like a awesome time. Um, even though it's like one hour, then we, we will be having a blast. So, Yeah, uh, we, Nomar and I talked about what kind of podcast we want. And since this is our first episode, we're really excited. And the kind of atmosphere we want to have here is kind of like professional conversation over coffee. You know, that, that type of mindset. That, that's good. And that's what they always say about the first child, that that's the trial for version. Uh, and then you'll do better with the, the later ones. So uh, happy to be the first one to go. Uh, super excited about this podcast. I, I'm looking forward to sharing this with uh, my colleagues and my peers and my friends on LinkedIn or other social media. So um, I'm super excited about this. Thank you, guys. Yeah, definitely. Thank awesome, you. Appreciate awesome. it. You know, uh, when you were, uh, you, you gave a presentation to the AACCL section. That's kind of the first time uh, Digital Twin was even, even knew that terminology. I was always kind of into the knowing what BIM is and how project controls kind of interface with that. So Digital Twin is like a new topic for me. And so I don't think... I'm in a minority here when it comes into the construction industry. So what's the difference between BIM and Digital Twin? Yeah, that, that's a very fair question and, and a good one. And to kind of distinguish the difference between building information models and building information modeling and building information management, that is the third description of BIM, um, Digital Twins is is a different framework. And the Digital Twin Consortium as a global organization is currently describing and determining what digital twins are. And um, overall, if, if I kind of borrow the description from the consortium, 
uh, a digital twin is a synchronized virtual representation of real-world entities and processes. Digital twins are motiv motivated by outcomes tailored to the use cases, powered by integration, built on data, and implemented in IT systems. It's a fairly complicated description, but what it actually means from my point of view, it means that digital twins is a consolidated virtual representation of static data and dynamic data. So it is a combination of BIM and IoT and IOA, GIS, open data, reality capture data, and other sources of data that is reliable and descriptive of the digital truth. So when we think about Dang, the that's a lot of acronyms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> IoT means Internet of Things. IOA means Internet of Actions. So overall, the digital twins are digging deeper than just the, the digital replica of the physical environment, but they are really looking mm -hmm. into how do we create the digital replica of the physical environment, but also the social environment? And what kind of data sources should you consolidate into a single platform to create the digital truth of what you are managing or owning? And, and that's the difference between building information models and digital twins. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, so basically you're saying the BIM is really kind of that static object and the twins basically take that information and add the dynamic information to it. Exactly. So BIM kind that's, of... That's my layman. <laughs> yes. So BIM basically creates you, what is the benchmark that you are then comparing what you actually have to. So if your mm -hmm. actual physical environment is... Um, consuming, for example, more energy than what it was engineered to consume, then you'll know exactly why it's actually consuming more energy than it was designed for. And then you can take the action, the IOA, to uh, based on the data and the evidence that, oh, you can see that, oh, something's going on with my portfolio. What might mm -hmm. I actually do about it? Uh, and that's yeah. the power of digital twins. Yeah. And if I may ask Salah, Digital Twin started in 2016 and 2017, correct? Um, the Digital Twin Consortium kicked off this June, so in June 2020. But the, mm -hmm. the framework and the idea of Digital Twins has probably lived on longer than that. And comparing how long mm. uh, like building information models have existed, um, they were already developed and and kind of kicked off in the early 1970s. So we're not really talking about no, anything right. that is brand new or emerging. It's just that the, our ACO industry has been a little bit slow uh, in adapting oh, okay. to the new tools. And, and it's only natural that when something is very transformational that people take time in adapting to it. Now, is that part of just the computing power? Because I imagine that's a lot of data that you're transferring. Yes, um, that is true that uh, it, it's a lot of data that is being created and exchanged and consumed. But um, I don't see that the technology is the roadblock anymore. Uh, the technology has really caught up on to uh, processing the large quantities of data when 
considering reality capture as a component in digital twins, but it's more about finding the use cases and educating people about the capabilities of technology so that they're not referencing to something that existed 10 years ago. Fair mm -hmm. enough. And my real point of my question was the reason why it's taking traction now is uh, because I imagine like maybe 10 years ago, the computing power wasn't there. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And when thinking about like building information modeling, the integration and uh, free flow of data and the capability of uh, inoperability wasn't reality 20 years ago, but now uh, BIM authoring tools are interoperable. Um, so that is no longer a roadblock, but yet the construction industry or expanding that to the AECO industry, so not only pinning it on construction, uh, it's the people that are still the roadblock, basically, that they have a very embedded belief that technology is lagging behind when the technology already exists, but the processes and the contract templates and the ways of working need to be updated and upgraded so that um, they are actually enabling the use of technology. Now, the construction industry has that reputation of uh, taking a long time to adopt change. So I, I've, I've read that uh, digital twins is really used in other industries, and now it's just becoming part of the construction industry. Is that true? Uh, digital twins, it, it is a framework that is a new emerging shiny object for a lot of different industries and for the AECO industry, um, like I mentioned, is um, uh, not an industry problem. It is a people problem. So there are already uh, companies and individuals that are very advanced and ready for the digital twins and already um, savant or, or very uh, advanced in using building information models. But it, it, it can't be pinned on an industry. It's too abstract to say that the industry is not capable of doing something. Um, when we look into mirror, that's where we see the problem that if the change needs to start with the individuals. Um, and when we start thinking about what our competence is, what our capabilities are, it's all something that we can all learn and train. And it's all about just creating the open communications and supporting the open innovation that if there's something that needs to be kind of ironed out uh, to be a capability, let's talk about it. Let's figure out a way to solve it and not try to delegate it to uh, the industry level. It's almost like saying that companies are collaborating together. It's not the companies. It's the individuals that are collaborating, mm -hmm. but they work for the individual yes, companies. Hey, Salah, yeah, with the with regards to uh, BEP, uh, building uh, BIM execution plan, would you say it's part of the digital twinning because you're integrating the process, right? The, uh, the plan for uh, how would you um, tie um, specific models to specific packaging, specific cost estimate a specific schedule. So I think creating like a BIM execution plan may be beneath the digital twin technology. How would you explain that? Or is there like 
a a gap there or it's underneath the digital twin um, setup? That's a very good one. Um, overall, yes, BIM execution plans defines how the data is accumulated from the AC team. And uh, that's how we know exactly wh what kind of data are we actually inheriting uh, as building information models and as the foundation for the digital twins or as a, as a component of digital twins. And mm -hmm. the, the BIM execution plans defines the level of definition, which is the combination of level of detail and level of informa information. And those are very critical for uh, creating the, the solid foundation for BIM-based or BIM-compatible digital twins. So if there is no clarity on or no solid BIM execution plan, there can't be an expectation of very solid digital twins going mm -hmm. forward. Uh, the building information models, they create the, the clarity on how is the, the built environment actually designed and engineered to perform? The architects yeah. basically design how the built environment is going to perform as mm -hmm. a social environment. And the engineers are engineering how the built environment is going to be performing as a technical environment. And if we don't have that clarity and understanding in a virtual format, then we have nothing to compare to. Mm -hmm. And based on that question, how are we, or how does the industry is adapting that BEP? Because right now, as I'm seeing, um, maybe private companies are adapting to it because they are required to, to do like the 4D BIM. Uh, right now it's going 5D. And then as you mentioned in your presentation, it's becoming like a ninth. Mm -hmm. Ninth already, ninth, ninth something, ninth day. And how are we adapting the um, digital twin here in the U.S. compared to uh, European countries? Um, I'd say that overall it's probably pretty equal in every region, mm -hmm. considering that real estate business is global and the construction industry is always local. Um, so... I don't think that in terms of digital twins, there is currently a spearhead in who's adapting to it the fastest. But overall, uh, I would hope that real estate owner organizations would start supporting the digital transformation that the industry is going through uh, more and, and hop on to the bandwagon that if the architects are already at basically at BIM level four uh, and the construction industry or con general contractors and construction management companies are uh, between BIM level two and three, uh, real estate owners tend to still request and commission the, the paper drawings. And in this, I also mean the PDF drawings that anything that is mm -hmm. delivered in, in drawing format it doesn't carry over all the data that is already being created, but it's actually dumbing things down. So this is something that mm -hmm. the industry really needs to wake up to, that if we continue commissioning the same old deliverables in, in mm -hmm. uh, trying format, 
we are really missing out on all the potential that already okay. exists. Uh, yeah. And that's something that we need to pick up as an industry. Yeah, because it would it would mean a lot because it's uh, time consuming if you if you do it like the um, the the BIM on the paper model, or, or I mean in the PDF uh, version and then converting on later because it takes time and also um, it's costly uh, with respect to resources, right? Ex- exactly. Yeah, I mean, labor is never yep. cheap. Yep. I mean. Some of these professional project control professionals, their billable rates range from 150 to 220 dollars per hour. Uh, and so, if you're estimating, for example, which is my profession, mm-hmm. you know, you got thousands of hours for some of these ma- major projects. If you can, with obviously, that's kind of why we're interested in BIM is do that takeoff pretty automatically. That's a lot of you know time saving, but also too. Uh, where I see some promise with the digital twin is, uh, so you're talking about that dynamic data, but I, what I've seen mostly is during like, you know, simulating that operation side of the coin. Now, can you do that dynamic data and simulation of even tracking, uh, people live on a job site so you can see what, how efficient people work and how, how to better prove that and how to capture that data. Is that possible? Uh, definitely, and there are already examples uh, from the European market and and from Finland, for example, that um, a company called AI Foresight uh, is developing a software solution exactly for this purpose. And overall, um, just to kind of like hone down that technology is no longer the issue. The sensor technology has really caught up and it's relatively cheap to put the sensors into the built environment. The The problem mm-hmm. is maybe with antiquated um, networks, uh, like building management systems and building automation systems that are collecting the data into a local server and not pushing the data into the cloud. But that's something that is fairly easy to retrofit. The problem mm-hmm. is that a lot of the data owners, not necessarily the data authors, the data owners are collecting the data, but they are just warehousing it. And they don't understand what oh, to do okay. with the data. And overall, when thinking about the continuum, we need to be processing the data into information that is then clustered into intelligence. And once we understand what we are going to be doing with the data and doing with the information and how we are going to be applying it, what the actual use case is going to be, that's when it becomes knowledge for us. And that's where the value of all all the data that we've been collecting shows to to us as the data owners. So overall, uh, there's a huge opportunity for everyone to kind of really deep dig deeper into why we are collecting data, why we are actually creating the data that we are requesting from all the different stakeholders, and how might we actually democratize the data in a way that others can actually make sense from it, can continue more Mm -hmm. productive and more profitable ways of working based on the data that is available for them. Uh, And that way, kind of improve their services or the products that we are actually creating for our building environment. 
Yeah. As a matter of fact, you mentioned about the opportunity of processing the data. Um, it seems like the clients are scared about that because of the cost on their side. So I think those are the ones that us because sometimes they're kind of think, okay, we'll collect the data with the with the tools that we have, but we need to like warehouse it only, like what you said. But processing it on the next level, they kind of are afraid to do it unless they're like uh, an expert coming into their uh, to their door, knocking to their door. Hey, we can process the data, and then later on, uh, as promised, it didn't go well. So those are things that kind of. Yeah, um, I remember the first time we met, Saul, is that was actually one of my questions was, what's holding back our industry? Like, you know, mm -hmm. what are our obstacles? And you're like, owners basically fronting the bills, kind of the, the short answer to that. And like, so, you know, you said education was kind of one of the things mm -hmm. we need to do now is educate owners um, about digital twins like and gain involved. Like, so how can and company get involved and learn about digital twins and start applying it to their business model? Um, that's, that's a fair question. And there might not be a simple answer. Um, one answer is to uh, connect with the Microsoft Azure Digital Twins team and, and see what they are doing, how we might actually support um, the productivity and and delivery of new solutions on top of the platforms that we are developing. And another way is to get involved in the Digital Twin Consortium and take the more of the United Nations of ACO industry and, and, and learn from mm -hmm. others, share what you're doing, and really break down the silos that traditionally exist in the ACO industry. Um, speaking mm -hmm. from experience, um, if individual companies are just focusing on developing their internal uh, organization, internal processes and internal tools, um, you will end up too far ahead from where your peers are or where your uh, companions, the stakeholders are, and they don't they don't see the connection in where you already are and where they are. So overall, the, the analogy of the, every wave kind of floats every boat, um, that applies to mm -hmm. our industry that we really need to collaborate as an industry to define the use cases and define the data exchange um, systems and, and ways and, and um and see how might we actually resolve the the foundational problem of data being siloed to the different stakeholders and those stakeholders being the gatekeepers that they are holding on to their data and, and thinking that that's what is the most valuable part of their project when they should be more considered about the knowledge that they can generate from the data that they are creating or they could inherit from others. Mm -hmm. that, that, that seems like the biggest challenge right there, trying to change someone's mindset because I've been in construction industry since 2004 and everybody, and I don't know if this probably goes with other industries, like, you know, if you have some data, some knowledge, job security, don't want to share it. So it's more like I switch people to that abundance kind of mindset. There's equal opportunities for everyone. So it's not that zero sum game. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I think, you know, yeah, and then we, 
with the with the thought of uh, new technologies like 4D BIM scheduling, uh, right, Salah? Uh, I saw Salah uh, presenting to the uh, what's that uh, AEC hackathon, uh, the the one in real estate by mm-hmm. and then um, hosted by Greg, right? Mm-hmm. I first saw Salah presenting uh, the 4D BIM scheduling for uh, selling construction, and then uh, I was amazed because. John, remember that me and Phil, uh, Phil is uh, one of my colleagues in my in our previous company where me and John worked together. It was 2009. That's the first time I uh, I had a chance to explore Synchro. It was 2009 that time when we're yeah, like... So that's, in- bef- that's before I came on board because I came on yeah. board I think 2010, 11. Oh, which yeah. is really easy to remember because remember I've been married for nine years. I came back to the States from Singapore. <laughs> right. So uh, it's, it's how long we've known each other, how long I've been married. Got it. There you go. <laughs> you know now, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, 4D BIM scheduling started 2009. And then people are like, you know, the industry is just like being excited to it since like the last two, three years only. So it's just kind of how we we uh we explored the information like what you said uh, sala on the Digi- digital consortium which i think i'm a member of um and then also yeah exploring the uh well, I organic, the organic times here. I, I need to join <laughs> yeah you need to <laughs> yep and then yeah but there's a lot there's a lot of things happening right now um like the 9d or something like that uh, beyond the digital technology there's so many and, d's and dimensions i don't even like when you get past 5d estimating yeah i think there's so past. many little charts out there with so many definitions of what d's stand for yeah so and sala like, can uh, can help us out she knows everything <laughs> until the ninth yeah and yeah, degree right it is <laughs> Yeah, it's all it based is. on the 3D. As long as we have the third dimension and we can start adding mm-hmm. the relevant attributes and parameters into it, then it's more about finding the, the use cases that how might we actually use the digital truth and the structured data for mm-hmm. analyzing and simulating what we are actually going to be building as physical environment. And just kind of like to... Uh, in with what I was uh, discussing with Chris Hager from OAC Services and with John Turner from GAFCON, um, the virtual construction should be what is the digital truth and the physical truth, and the physical artifact should be the twin. And that's the mindset mm-hmm. that the industry needs, that we should be actually building everything digitally before we actually build it physically, mm-hmm and verify that what we are actually going to be building that is performing as we expect it to perform. And that ties into the real estate owners and investors that if we understand Mm -hmm. what is the expected total performance of our physical environment, then we start to understand what is the total cost of ownership over the technical life cycle of our um, built environment. And that applies to the infrastructure industry and the, the above ground build build environment industry. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then for digital twinning, we expect always to have like a cloud based uh, hosted, right? Either uh, Azure or AWS, correct, Salah? Yeah, it's a, it's a one option and one pathway to, to take. And 
the problem with the construction industry is that there are so many different stakeholders that this data overall mm-hmm. that is being created is very scattered and it's very siloed. Yeah. The, so think about just pushing data into a, a cloud service. If not, everyone is on the same cloud and you haven't distributed the, the rights for accessing the data in the cloud, it might be mm-hmm. a little bit complicated. So I overall think about it, there might be um, a question of is is that the final destination or should we be thinking about mm-hmm. something else? And uh, to be um, honest here, I, I already have kind of a, an idea in my head that I, I would like to start resolving the primary issue of disconnected data, but uh, I haven't really tested it out yet. So maybe it's not uh, valid for a conversation at this point. Mm-hmm. But the, the yeah. problem is that... Well, that just gives us an excuse to talk to you later. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> you get the reason for that, right? <laughs> yeah, but overall, the data yeah. is not really bridged or integrated uh, together at the moment. It's that just that the, yeah. the access to data might be made a little bit easier with web browser-based solutions. Um, but it's, it's not really solving the foundational problem. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. And I've heard you mention siloed several times. And I think when it comes to adopting digital twins, BIM, what have you, the traditional contracting methodologies used in construction industry, like design, bid, build, those seems just to be the wrong way to do it. You know, so you have the design, stop, full set. I mean, so you don't get any input uh, as far. So basically, you don't have that kind of live feedback. Um, I come across like integrated project delivery. I mean, so that, that seems like a pretty promising one or design build or GCCM if you're doing it with the right contractor and the right type of owner. Because honestly, some of the, if you don't have the right mindset as an owner, some of those alternative methods don't work. Have you seen any success stories uh, when it comes to actual construction uh, using digital twins and using BIM? Yes, there might be some regional projects, but they tend to be quite individual projects that have been using the collaborative um, project delivery um, or integrated project delivery. Um, but overall, it's uh, it's still the industry itself is very fragmented. And depending on mm-hmm. who you're working with, um, you will be either very successful in in delivering your project with the alternative project delivery methods, or you will be stuck with the old ways of working. And um, I think that overall, there is an opportunity for the industry to uh, invite the manufacturing industry to play along mm-hmm. and really discover that what kind of a delivery method uh, could be discovered or developed, or does it actually exist already? If we brought along the, the fabricators and manufacturers and and mm-hmm. really looked into that, how do we engage all the different stakeholders into the same process as early as possible so that we can borrow the brain power that others have that we might not necessarily have in a very deep diving way of working. But if we just opened up the, the discussion and took that open innovation approach, really focused on what we are actually delivering, um, there, there might be new discoveries that would be creating a lot of financial benefit for everyone who is on the same project. 
Yeah, I've, I've kind of heard digital twins kind of described as more of like an ecosystem. So you have your suppliers that basically have the object in the building and it's its own digital twin. Uh, so kind of how does that work? Does everybody kind of using some of the similar tools or do they have like a way to integrate different types of software? I mean, how does that work? Um, I see digital twins as a platform. And the analogy that I use for describing is it's a smartphone that if, if you go out and you buy your latest and the greatest smartphone in the industry and your partner or friend goes and buys the same device, you both have the same operating system. So it's the same platform, mm-hmm. but it's already within the five, first five minutes that your user experience is completely different from your friend's user experience because you have different needs. So you've already downloaded different types of applications to it. And that's the same analogy with the digital twins that depending on what data do you need to make the educated decisions and and have the digital truth of what is relevant for you, the digital twin can scale up or it can scale down, but it is the, the single platform that is creating you the digital truth. Yeah, because I was like kind of thinking, uh, Sala, I think part of the digital twin technology um, evolved also, or it started from the SAP. You know SAP, right? Mm-hmm. The uh, the enterprise resource planning. That one alone is just like an integrated approach with regards to uh, resources, uh, procurement, um, contract management, mm-hmm. uh, and also... They started to put some scheduling in there. Would you say that Digital Twin came off from SAP applications, ERP? Um, it might be that it was inspired by it. And overall, think about the Digital Twins overall. Um, SAP could be a component in the overall framework. Because with the Digital Twins, what you're mm-hmm. curious about is that how does the total performance of your environment when thinking about the AC and the built environment. There are other industries mm-hmm. as well. But when thinking about the total for the, the total performance of the built environment and how that is impacting the total total um, cost of ownership, you have to have more components into it than just the technical components and the technical performance. So you have to have uh, the data from the financial performance, you have to have the data from the social performance, and you have to have the data from the technical performance, and maybe from other sources as well. And, and that way, create the holistic view of what, what you're actually investing in. And, and that's a key word that the real estate industry and the real estate portfolio, regardless of uh, what the point of view are you a serial uh, developer or are you a developer of individual projects? Uh, are you an investor mm-hmm. that is selling your project um, by the end of the day or are you holding on to it for the next 50 years? Um, it should be treated as an investment and not just as a, a cost. Uh, so overall, the, the mm-hmm. mindset is a little bit different that how do you actually create the, the holistic view of what different streams of data create you that digital truth. Yeah. 
Yeah, because based on the standpoint of engineering, then construction, and then building, and then um, it it includes the building performance, like what you said, Salah, right? And that would include also like a one um, one silo of the asset management. This is the one that's being becoming big right now. How to manage the assets by using specific integrated data, integrating GIS, integrating BIM, right? Mm-hmm. Then integrating the software itself because some of the software for asset management right now are just like siloed on a specific um, module like resource planning, uh, work order management, and also procurement. So I think that's the new norm right now of exploding asset management applications, right? Exactly. And like thinking about the complexity of the built environment and how complicated and complex the future projects are going to be, um, I don't think that Mm -hmm. the term management is going to be relevant anymore because you can manage Mm -hmm. something that is overly complicated. All you can do is either balance it or harmonize it. And that's where like uh, technology innovations like artificial intelligence and machine learning can be Mm -hmm. integrated with the digital twins. And that way, a lot of the tedious jobs or tasks that have traditionally been managed by a person can be managed by a computer algorithm. And then the the -hmm. person who is in charge of decision-making can look at the different options that have been optioneered by the computer program. And and that's the the very foundational um, difference in how the the built environment industry is functioning today, that we tend to add more uh, labor or more uh, brain power or, or people into the project to manage the complexity and, and the things that need to be delivered. But we are not really thinking about what kind of technology tools we have already in our mm-hmm. hands and how might we actually sharpen the tools that we have and really kind of uh, make make the tasks that need to be performed by a human being more agile, easier. How might we actually pre-process a lot of the data that is available for us and, and overall just make the decision-making much more easier than it has ever been. Yeah. Thank you, Salah. Well said. Hey, we got seven minutes left. Uh, what do you think about what discussing, right? <laughs> I got an um, idea that I think would be very interesting and I wonder if someone's already done it. So earned value management, as you are going through the construction phase, you want to track your progress. Um, is you know, so I, I know there's technology like LIDAR and, and things like that, that you can scan buildings very quickly. But how does that process work to like mapping? Um, I, I know that's more of a BIM thing, but I, you know, I still kind of part of that digital twin, uh, you know, dynamic information. Have you seen that happen or any success stories there? Uh, very good one. Overall, um, how I think about that is uh, in terms of reality capture. So then depending on what kind of data are you capturing, you have a, a spectrum of different technologies that you can use for uh, collecting the data that, that is relevant for your decision making. So it can be lighter or it can be photos, it can be photogrammetry, it can be the use of the whole lens. 
Um, it all depends on what is relevant for you so that you don't end up over-engineering or over-investing into the reality capture process overall. And there needs to be a distinction between what the real estate owner or the real estate investor needs from the as-builds and what is relevant for the construction company or the like the general contractor or the construction management company uh, and that way um, we, there is the distinction distinction of what is relevant for which stakeholder um, not all the data that is relevant for the GCs and the G CMs is relevant for the reality oh, uh, sorry the real estate owner but a lot of times the real estate owner doesn't communicate back to the GCs and CMs what is relevant for them. And, and that's where the, the data is either not captured or it might be captured, but it's not transferred over. It just becomes fragmented and lost over time. Um, but overall, being aware of what is relevant and what is needed down the line uh, the digital construction phase is very important because uh, once something is covered up, it's very difficult to dig up again or, or mm -hmm. bring back to uh, uh, in front of you. So overall, uh, I think this is a, a question for the BIM execution plan or the, the VDC mm -hmm. execution plan, thinking about the, the entire digital construction process and the digital construction phase and having the discussions between the different stakeholders that what might be the the best um, uses of technology, which would be the optimal choices of technology for doing the reality capture. And it's also an, an opportunity for innovation that how might we make the technology so accessible that it basically exists in your pocket or exists on your body if, if thinking about wearable technology. Yeah, or, or so so cheap that you'd be silly not to adopt it. Exactly. Yeah, We're pretty much we have now like there is a ton of technology um, companies that's that's being evolved as a startup right now. They're coming they're coming along really really fast, and you would know like for example the Tesla um, CIO create like a um, application for the uh for the uh car sales um company creating their own applications and stuff like that so that it would be easier for the buyer to to select cars and that came from the from the tesla um uh group yeah, i actually company. heard like, that they, they it, um they're having issues kind of with selling cars because i think some states actually uh -huh. require that you have to have an actual dealership so yep. it's kind of like, you know, there are like human regulation regulations and obstacles that kind of prevent things from happening. Are there any things like that when it comes to digital twin and construction that are like go government, you know, laws that are preventing this from really taking off? Mm -hmm. um, a very good question. It's kind of a, a curveball. I haven't heard anything that would be specific for digital twins. Overall, I think it's a question of data security. And in some cases, um, the data um, uh, accessibility and, and kind of um, 
the privacy questions. But overall, thinking about the the digital twins, um, I I don't necessarily see any major obstacles. It's it's more related to uh, how do we define the use cases, how do we define the data exchange, how do we define what data can be integrated into the platforms, and and now I'd say that all the components exist. It's just a matter of um, creating the consolidated uh, framework of all the different components that are relevant for the different end users and the use cases. Um, maybe it is something that I just haven't stumbled upon yet and will be um, on my plate later on. But for now, um, creating unnecessary obstacles and, and kind of creating a, a complication for the framework that might be a potential solution for really deep diving into how might we improve the profitability and productivity of the, one of the least digitalized industries uh, in the world. Um, I think overall, it, it should be more about how do we create an inclusive universal platform that it's easy to adapt to and then add more to. Um, that That is the, the major question that I have in mind at the moment. And then at, at the same time, we can follow the general rules that have been already applied for data security and, and the privacy uh, aspects and follow those rules, but not really kind of get tangled into uh, unnecessary questions at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, you know, think some, from some of my research, what I see is more on the individual technologies, and that's where kind of some of the laws and regulations would kind of prevent application. A good example would be drones. You have those FAA mm -hmm. regulations. So it's like the application of your particular slice of the digital twin, mm -hmm. you might have your own personal challenges. Yep. And then as a matter of fact, NASA is involved in that one. Um, which pertains to traffic management, air traffic management. And pretty soon, um, Amazon, as you know, they're going to do like a drone delivery, but it's going to be chaotic because of the, you would see like a lot of drones in your skies and the privacy and stuff like that. So it's like a matter of uh, planning it properly. And then like, like why you said, John, um, integrating the, uh, the government through it and then based on Salah's input, uh, how to implement in the privacy and how would the government would accept it. So, yep. Yeah, I think uh, Sal kind of touched on security as a main concern. Yep. I also see that, you know, community outreach is in another one because mm, uh, everybody yeah. likes these kind of things, especially when it comes to the drone things. Like, you know, I can see people, if there's too many Amazon drones out there, people can be working on their ski shooting. <laughs> I have a really horrible sense of humor. I apologize. Oh, I no, it's true. It's a new technology, right, Stella? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're closing to an hour. Um, we're enjoying the discussion, Sala. I really do appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ron and Norm, for inviting me for this kickoff of your fabulous podcast. And I, I truly hope Thanks. that this we'll is appreciate a... appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that, that the industry is picking up on what message you're sending out. Oh, yeah, definitely. And John, uh, I want to mention John, if you're okay. John is, um, and you had a chance to speak to our AAC group 
right, Salah? Yes. And then John is the uh, the BIM um, subcommittee chair for AAC. Yeah, that's uh, correct. I, I stepped and, into yeah. that role uh, just a few months back. Uh, so chair of the um, AAC subcommittee, uh, BIM so, subcommittee. Yeah. It's, it's been a great experience. Um, you know, one of the th- reasons I'm doing this podcast too is to meet industry leading experts and just yep. to educate myself and to educate uh, my fellow coworkers. So mm-hmm. um, I, I really want to see this change happen because first of all, I don't like to work slow. Um, I'd rather <laughs> spend my time as an estimator, for example, yep. getting all the grunt work done and really spending the you know, time on you mm-hmm. know, value added tasks, you know, market research as far as, you know, what's the cost of you know, steel per ton, mm-hmm. not counting it. You know, it, it's, it's, Yep. really a lot of inefficiencies. And I mean, I still do takeoff of, of PDFs mm-hmm. and um, I have to scroll almost every single drawing. It's, it's just, and the technology is there. It's just getting on with a uh, like-minded uh, company. Um, but, you know, things are good. I, I see things progressing in the right direction. Just kind yeah. of keep on pushing that big snowball and hopefully becomes an avalanche. Yeah, that's why we, we created this uh, podcast, Sala, since we are eyeing on integrated project delivery so it's it's much better for us to link it to the bim because the the design the um the real estate the the building performance it creates like a um like a silo wherein you start the drawing you start the engineering and then the construction and then associated with the risks and cost and schedule that's why it's like a 4d bim integrated with cost cost estimate, which, which be, becomes like the 5D. So we're on that kind of trend to materialize every resources that we have so that we can have like a better way presenting like a project, reporting the project in an integrated approach, less cost, less risk, and a successful, a more yeah, successful project or program. You just mentioned risk there. That's a big one yep. too. I would like to see the construction industry, you know, take that historical knowledge of things that happened in the past and put that in their risk mm-hmm. models. And yeah. therefore, you know, it comes to public agencies, even private companies, you get those good risk models. You have, you can, you know, either have enough budget for your job or mm-hmm. basically not tie up your capital and you get more work done. I think yep. that would be an excellent thing to happen. Yep. Well, anything that you can say, Salah, about this first podcast of ours? I love what you guys are it's been doing. Fun. It's been fun. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm so happy that I got to have this opportunity with you. And um, yeah, all the, all the best of luck going forward. You guys have yeah. incredible knowledge in the industry, and really looking forward to listening to the following episodes of this podcast. Um, you are groundbreakers. Yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah, thank you. And if you don't mind, you can be our advisors, right, John? Yeah. 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 If you if you'd be able to, to assist us later with with any questions at all from our um, community of um, BIM community and uh, project controls community, because we got like a lot of people interested on this integrated project delivery, especially here in Seattle and yeah. also in the agencies. Yeah, and I'll make sure I join that uh, Azure. Uh, what, you, what you said the uh, BIMS con- consortium. Oh, the it, digital consortium. Yeah, digital I'll make sure I, I look that up and join. Yeah. yeah. Oh, digital I've, twin consortium. Yep. There you go. So I, I got to yeah. know the right words to put together to find a thing via Google search. 
<laughs> and as a matter of fact, they are they are doing some seminars right now, right, Salah? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. They have like 30, min- 30 minutes um, sessions. And then, uh, yeah, search on it. And I think I might have registered for a couple of, of those um, digital twin consortium sessions. So, Excellent. Awesome. Yep. Well, thank you again, yep. Saul. It was great having you on the podcast. Thank yeah. you so much, Norman and John. This was a truly yep. a pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, I'm glad you threw it. Thank Actually a pleasure. All right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> Well, thank you. Enjoy your dinner uh, cooked you. by your husband. Thank and yes. uh, I might, might be cooking by myself for my wife. And yeah, that then... was a big sandwich. That thing was huge. <laughs> was yeah, like I'm, a... I'm looking forward to having it and watching uh, baseball. I, I'm really, um, I'm a baseball fan, but I'm a hockey, oh, yeah. ice hockey is my religion, but baseball comes uh, second. So I'll head oh, over to watch So you the must game. be as excited as me. You must be excited as me. We have we now have the Krakens. Krakens, right? Yeah, Seattle Krakens. I love it. Yes, because I I, I just live in Kent here, and I get to see the Thunderbirds, so that's always fun. By you know, COVID, you gotta stay safe, right? Exactly. So if anyone has uh, season tickets, call me. Oh yeah, definitely. I will let you know. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, well, well, now that you know that, oh, we'll definitely hit you up. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'm going to write it down. Season, season ticket for Salah. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> or, or at least at least one or two games. Right? Yeah. 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 yeah in, well, in, in the box. In, in the box. Boxes. Yep. Thank you. The box. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. I like okay. your style. <laughs> well, thank you for um, being our guest. Uh, with for uh, BIM and PC with uh, Norman John. Hey John, any last words? Nope. I'm just glad we got to such a great start. Uh, just super excited to do this. This is a great first topic. It it, uh, is, it, is. it it really kind of opened my eyes to the possibility. You know, it's just you know my before this, you know, I, you know, I did my research before this podcast, and it was just all about kind of BIM. I'm like, mm-hmm. there's so much more because some of the roadblocks that I saw with BIM. It's like, well, I, what I really want out of BIM is this and digital yeah. uh, twins teams that have those solutions. So I'm yeah. definitely going to keep on going down that rabbit hole and have a good time doing so. Yep, definitely. Well, again, Let thank you guys. Inspiration um, we had a, for all we had a great night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, we will do. We'll definitely share. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care.